This podcast is intended for a mature audience. If you are under 18 years of age, please come back when you're of legal age to enjoy our content. The information and stories shared in this podcast are for educational purposes only. The content creators are not certified sex therapists or counselors. Let's start a conversation and let's broaden our minds. Hello, Ellie. So glad you could join me today and all the listeners who might be out there listening to us today. Yeah, I'm very glad to join you as well. I'm proud to report, or rather I should say happy to report, that my allergies have cleared up. I was visiting a friend uh, before we recorded uh, who has cats, and I happen to be very allergic. I mean, of all the things I thought I would be allergic to. (laughs) Who knew it'd be pussy, hey? Who knew indeed? Well, you sound much better. I'm glad. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to sound a little bit more like myself. So, mm-hmm. Ellie, what uh, what are we going to be talking about for this episode? I don't know. How about monogamy? <laughs> what, in this economy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, when and how is there a shift in a relationship from monogamy to permission to play? Our last episode, we explored hot wifing, right? Mm-hmm. And that's just one form of an alternative lifestyle where partners or couples explore ethical non-monogamy or ENM. Some people also call it ethical and honest non-monogamy, E-H-N-M, as we're learning all these lingo and labels. Well, now they're just getting hungry for letters at this point. Every, you would think so. Let just let just work in the whole alphabet as well while we're at it. But yeah, I get, it. I get mm-hmm. it. No, I totally get it. Um, and I appreciate the I appreciate the ethical part because we definitely don't want to tell people how to be not ethical. Mm-hmm. And you know what? We had some great feedback after episode number one, and someone actually touched on that with one of their comments that uh, they liked how we kind of focused on the ethical side of things. And uh, there was a few requests that we should dig even deeper into that same topic and that I think we might have to return to it, maybe even with some guests. What do you think? I think that's always a good idea. It's I, I feel like when we're talking about relationships and different styles of relationships, there's always something new out there. People are constantly trying some something interesting. You know, I've even heard of a term called relationship anarchy, where you don't define any relationships and you try every single possible combination out. So there's a there's a lot to explore there. But I feel like maybe for the time being, why don't we kind of build up on what we started broaching in hot wifing in terms of ethical non-monogamy and permission to play and how you make that transition from your your typical idea of how relationships should look like mm-hmm. to something that's a little bit more free to something that's a little bit more experimental so why don't we why don't we focus on that a little bit and mm-hmm. let's talk about how do people transition to it well for us it came out of a lot of 
you know, hard, but uh, interesting conversations over the years. And then a lot of my growth actually came from, and uh, the conversation stemmed from after reading the book, The Ethical Slut by Josie Easton and Catherine Litz. I read that book not only once, but twice. And I just got to share that in chapter three, they had a myth. Myth number one was that long-term monogamous relationships are the only relationships. And my favorite quote in that chapter because you'll have to read it for yourself, is a ring around the finger does not cause a nerve block to the genitals. Reminds me of a, of a different Eastern European expression, which is married doesn't mean dead, but the same general idea. Uh, now, I have not read the book, shamefully. But the other thing is I, I, I want to emphasize that we're not trying to knock monogamy. For some not people, monogamy... For some people, monogamy is great. For a lot of people, monogamy is great. And they feel very satisfied and very happy in the monogamous relationship. And so does their partner. And to them, the best of luck. And mm -hmm. we're going to have, and I'm sure there's going to be topics that we're going to discuss that they can explore in a monogamous relationship with absolutely no problem whatsoever. But at the same time, if you're in a monogamous relationship, I would invite you to continue listening to kind of get an idea of how some other people view relationships and get your thoughts on it as well. So that's that's one very important thing. We're not going to be out here putting monogamy down because there have been some books like Sex at Dawn um, that really just knock them, just, just they try to build up non-monogamy by knocking monogamy down. And I don't think uh. that's the right approach. So that's mm -hmm. why I, that's, that's why I really wanted to mention it. And the other problem is that I've heard a lot of praise for the ethical side, I just physically mm -hmm. didn't get to it. Uh, but I remember I've looked through Sex at Dawn and I talked to people who were experts in sex and sexuality and they said, oh, this, no, they they literally just put together a bunch of garbage. That's not how any of this works. They There's a lot of really shoddy scholarship in it. And um, if you if you look around on the internet, there are sex experts who will tell you that that some non-monogamy literature is based on some very poor scholarship. Again, that's in the context of if it's try if you're trying to say that monogamy is not normal, so to speak, that's that's not what we're trying to say. We're trying to say that um, some people just are not really monogamous for a variety of reasons. So let's explore the, some of those reasons. Well, some people also talk about emotional monogamy, right? Like that's a whole other thing too, where the monogamy is that you're holding dear and true and dedicated to one person. And it could be just emotionally, not sexually, right? Yes, it's entirely possible. I would I would probably call myself that. I think that, you know, if I'm in a relationship, uh, emotionally, I'm with one person, but physically I may want to be with other people. And it's not that I don't respect those people. I, I think I, I tried to prove my case in the in the previous episode that I that I that I do care and and I do want to have a good time and I do want to be on friendly terms uh, with everyone. But at the same time, it's very much more of a let's have some fun rather than let's form these deep relationship bonds. I feel like I'm I'm that kind of person who's just the deep relationship bonds really only go with the one person in my life and I can have friends and I can have very close friends but it's not going to be the same level of relationship it's not going to be that same 
attachment. It's going to be more of a, I care about you in a, we are friends and I care about you as friends and want to make sure that you are happy and taken care of. And we continue our relationship, not, you know, the typical uh, relationship paradigm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, monogamy is great until it kind of loses that spark. Remember we mentioned the spark in episode one and, and sometimes just simply reading a book like The Ethical Slut can just show you that there's more than one way to get that spark back. So then you would have a different relationship for that kind of, that, that changes yeah. how your relationship was called and viewed, right? Exactly. You know, you form the boundaries within your dedicated partnership, no matter what that might look like at that point in time. So then we would be talking more about like a stacked vixen relationship. That's how a lot of people kind of dip their toes into it, where it's not so much as hot wifing, where usually it's the wife who is playing. It's more of a both partners are involved. Yes. And, and this is where I shifted from kind of identifying or labeling myself as a hot wife onto a stag vixen and not really knowing what it was. Right. And the definition of a stag or vixen, that stag vixen dynamic can sound different from one person to the next, depending on that person's understanding, their experience, their interpretation. I went back to the good old urban dictionary and I love when people submit their own definitions. This one really stood out. It said, a gorgeous and hot, sexy woman who can be quiet in everyday life, but turns out to be a queen in the bedroom. Geek in the streets, demon in the sheets sort of deal. Exactly. Exactly. Another one said, a suppressed woman who has many sexual desires when the one person unleashes her sexual fantasies. Hmm. Hmm. Or how someone, about... <laughs> someone sounds like they were auditioning to write a certain kind of book, weren't, weren't they? Yes. Well, like I said, there are lots of definitions. Another one that caught my attention was a wife or girlfriend in a committed relationship who seeks a male for NSA sex with the permission from and usually in front of her stag husband or boyfriend without any bisexual play or humiliation. It, it just kind of kept going on and on. And, I, and then I got stuck on NSA. Whoa, There's more whoa, whoa, alphabet whoa, whoa. letters. Okay. All right. We're not getting national security involved in this particular episode. Like I'm, I'm, I'm good. Uh, I, they, they do a lot of shady stuff with computers. I'm not a fan. <laughs> no strings attached, Alex. Isn't that oh. what all guys want? No strings, no drama. Yes and no, I would say. So when it comes to when it comes to no strings attached, it, I think it's fun if you're in that state of mind where you want to explore, you don't want to be tied down, you don't want to be attached, you're trying to discover yourself. I think that uh, one of the big themes that that you'll probably um, hear from us uh, on and off is the whole idea of self-discovery. And sometimes mm. self-discovery is not really possible with just one person. I mean, if you have a person that really enables your self-discovery and is there for you throughout that whole journey, hold on to them for dear life. Um, mm. That would be my that would be my tip when it comes to uh, when sometimes when it comes to that self-discovery, you just want to you just want to have fun. You just want to learn some interesting things about yourself and other people. So you don't want there to be strings and obligations and you want that to be up front and say, hey, this is 
we're not, we don't have to be friends with benefits. We don't have to see each other again. We don't even have to talk to each other again. This is just, this is just fun. This is just adults having adult fun and nothing else. Mm-hmm. I know. And for me, I woke up one day thinking about the definition of monogamy and wondered why is it that monogamy is tied to this notion that one person, one and only one can meet all needs, all wants, all desires. So let's let's jump back to hot wifing in our first episode and let's go um, to the word cuckolding. That was a that was a kind of a turning point in our episode uh, where we talked about what was the most the second most popular porn search. Would you believe it or not? I don't, but I don't have any wherewithal to dispute the data. (laughs) I thought you'd ask what was the first? What's the first most popular porn search? I'm a little bit afraid, but tell me anyway. It's it's actually the word youth. Ooh, I know. I, I know. knew I was. I knew I was afraid. Okay. I know. Okay. I had a reason but, to be afraid. But you know what? Increasing in popularity is stag vixen, and it's because stag vixen involves watching your partner have sex with another person. Generally, it's the female having sex with another man. So, why do you think cuckolding would be such a popular search? I. I honestly have not the slightest clue. None. Mm-hmm. I, I think we got to find some guests. I, I think we need people to join in on this conversation. I think we need to be enlightened. Yeah, that's so. I guess we're we're kind of sending up a little uh, bat signal <laughs> there for for anyone who could who could explain why this is indeed the case. Because I just I honestly don't know. I don't want to go off on a tangent here and and, no. and bullshit our way through this. No, that's not us. That's not our style. I think the whole thing is about sexual gratification or pleasure. That's what okay. it comes down to. No matter what label you put on it, that pleasure is the main focus. Instead of being excluded, like in hot wifing, boyfriends and husbands can be involved, included. They can be right there. And some people refer to this dynamic as a fantasy. That is not always part of an open relationship or polyamorous partnership. So when hmm. you say that they're there, are we talking about the the idea they're going to be part of it? Like it's going to be a threesome or are they just going to be observing? Is how, how are, what are you? Well, when I read that, that, I was thinking about one of the examples you gave us in episode one, where you shared a story where the husband was sitting back and just enjoying his little porns, porn star. Isn't that what you called her? that's what he called her. He called her. Yes. I meant you in, as the storyteller. Um, yeah. And, and then that word polyamorous, like, how do you define that? Oh, that's a loaded word because mm-hmm. when it comes, so polyamory in my experience has been, that is a committed relationship with the multiple people you have, you might have a primary relationship, but then you have secondary relationships or tertiary relationships where there are strengths, there are emotional attachments. You go on dates, you are treated as full-fledged partners. It's not just you're with multiple people and you have to figure out how to spread your time and attention and affection across your, well, harem. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but I feel like it kind of can grow into one and I, I know it can be it can be men, women, people who are non-binary. It's kind of a more of a 
equality thing on that. But but the whole idea is that these are these are actual fully fledged relationships. These are not. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not just meeting up with people for fun. This is you have a you have an established thing with oh, your a lot partners. of people. Yeah, a lot of people use the word community or family. You know, you kind of nervously giggled when you said the word harem, but, you know, standing outside of that dynamic, you can only bring to it your own experience, right? And sometimes we get nervous when it's unknown. The reason why I kind of giggled a little bit is because harem has that connotation of you have a male who's in charge of a number of concubines. And that's not this. That's not really what this is. This is more of. And, and it's a little bit more of what, uh, you know, the, the, the word right now when you date with multiple people non-exclusively is you have a roster. Uh-huh. So so it's not it's not a roster. It's not a harem. It's more of you have multiple boyfriends or girlfriends or you have multiple situationships. So, and your heart's yeah. on your sleeve with all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, when people hear about the stag vixen dynamic, right away they go to it's cheating. That if the sex is experienced without first discussing it, but consent exists in this, in this dynamic, of course, consent exists. And it's because the consent is to the level of risk to their dynamic and to their bond, as well as to sexual health. So consent is a big part of the stag vixen dynamic, don't you think? Well, once upon a time at a party, I met a woman who was wearing a T-shirt which said, it's not cheating if my husband watches. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where can I get that T-shirt? I'm sure I can find it for you. <laughs> Post the link below, please. <laughs> the internet is vast and has many wonderful things. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, I had to go to some different websites to really deepen and broaden my knowledge uh, on this topic for today. And I really like visiting a website that was called VixenLifestyle.com. It's VXN lifestyle.com. And it talked a lot about there being transparency with no infidelity in this type of dynamic. You know, there's full knowledge of the husband and the wife is encouraged by all involved and that there's this integral part of the couple's dynamic um, to be sources of arousal, enjoyment and fantasy for each other. It sure did call to us. It's interesting that According to a lot of those sources, it's usually the husband who brings it up. And that's another that's another interesting thing. Why do you think that is? I don't want to say usually or the majority, but men tend to be the ones that are, you know, more dominant or more sexually aggressive and uh, tend to just blurt out their thoughts and ideas when it comes to sex driven by testosterone, which I think is a little more powerful than our gentle estrogen. Well, I've never, ever in my life blurted out things that when I was horny. That has never happened in my entire... Oh, oh, sorry. My nose is pushing really? the microphone away from my face. Yeah, fucking liar. <laughs> that I couldn't I couldn't get through that with a straight face. That nope, just was not possible. I see possible. you. I know. I can... No, I can... I can... I can understand that. And <laughs> so... But then... Okay. So you have decided let's go ahead and explore let's bring in other people into this let's bring in other partners let's find playmates where do you go where do you start well in episode one i mentioned that i i took a broad leap into the internet and i looked on all kinds of websites and dating apps and all i found was frustration you know um 
Then I went on message boards and I looked at what other people were experiencing and what they were sharing on different threads, whether it be on Twitter or, or subreddits for stag vixen dynamics. And most often I found that they were choosing a close, personal, trusted friend that people don't start out in this looking for the bull as traditionally used. They were looking for that confidant, that person already in their life as the first step and preferred choice for this. Well, that must be an interesting conversation. Hey, Joe, um, do you, do you, how do you like my wife? No, I mean, like, do you really like her? Like, would you say that she, yes, I, I know you said that she's beautiful, but, but would you describe her as fuckable? Would that be, would that be a term that you would use? Is that, <laughs> is that, how, is that how the conversation goes? Maybe, I, you know, in our dynamic, um, I was actually the one who approached our best friend. Um, it was in a random text where we were kind of disclosing, you know, that uh, we were sexually very happy. And he joked, well, not jokingly, actually seriously asked, like, what's your secret? And it was that moment when you feel like it's just right with a friend who's been in your life forever and ever and ever. Uh, and I just said, well, we happen to not have a very monogamous relationship. And he was floored. And then the conversation just went over over months. It wasn't right away, but it went over months to thinking that we could even maybe consider him and then trust him with that kind of a question. So that's just one way. So at what point is there that transition to the to the typical bull, the internet strangers? How does that happen? Well, it's different for everyone. Um, a lot of people think that it goes against the ethics of a standard marriage, you know, whether it's a legal marriage or a religious-based marriage. And uh, I liked back in that book, Ethical Slut, chapter two of um, that book, asks a few questions. In thinking about this dynamic, this stag vixen dynamic, will anyone be harmed and are there any risks? And I know right away when you think about those random internet strangers you think of risks, like usually, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you think like that? I mean, I know where I've been. <laughs> You've been to the dark and naughty side of things, eh? <laughs> I've used that before, and for some reason, people just laugh at that and and uh, and proceed. But well, it kind of um, made me blush. I don't know if you saw that. Like, I did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I've never been on the on I really haven't been on the other side of that not not very much like it mm -hmm. has been it's been discussed and we've given some people uh some people a chance but usually it was more of like what about other couples that's kind of that was the mm -hmm. dynamic that that we were particularly interested in it was kind of let's everyone should have fun with everyone but that's a that's a different episode that's a different topic yeah yeah um but I've never been in the in the dynamic where uh, someone has said, okay, well, we just want one other person. We want a trusted friend or we want to find a stranger because I, now I have, I have met people who said that they wanted to, they didn't want to sabotage their relationships mm -hmm. with their friends mm -hmm. uh, accidentally. So they kind of stuck to strangers. Uh, so that's, that's a reason for that. But what's kind of, what would you say are kind of some of the reasons, like, is there any research that says like, these are the reasons why couples are looking for playmates? Well, of course there's research and I dug deep and I, and I keep balancing my research to my own experience. 
And for us, you know, playing with our friend was, was the, was a safe choice. It really was. And then once we were comfortable in this dynamic, we started thinking about things that were a bit more taboo and naughty, because that's usually the first reason why people get into the kink, into adding this dynamic to their marriage or relationship is the taboo and naughty. And so for us, that stranger sex, like you can Google it, you can find it on Reddit, you can find it on a porn search, you know, that being with a stranger, a total, total stranger just sends this, this rush of adrenaline. And also sometimes a rash of uh, terror, but that's, we'll, we'll get to that. I was wondering There's, where you were going with that word rash. <laughs> well, you can also get a rash if you're not safe. So I know. That you, you should, yeah, you should absolutely stay safe. That's another thing we definitely advocate. I, I have a story about that. We'll we'll get to that. Okay. Well, the second reason my research showed is that um, that people get out of or move away from standard porn. That they're addicted to porn. Some people that they sit in their basement. They they sit after their wife has gone to bed or when their husband is out of town, um, and they love porn. And they realize that, you know, it's not as meaningful. And so then they start looking for amateur porn uh, that looks like it could be your friends or your neighbors. And that really intrigues them. And then they want to move towards more meaningful content because the wife can be their favorite little porn star, as we've mentioned before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all these circles back to that. Mm hmm. Yeah, I love it. I don't know. I get a twinkle in my eye and I smile every time my husband makes that comment. Um, but the third reason moving along, uh, that to get into this dynamic is the biological complex that increases sex drives in 52% of stags surveyed, they actually had more sexual motivation to have longer and more vigorous sex. And it was found to be the spice that a lot of men and women needed. See, that's very interesting because I heard and experienced this idea of like hot past, like when you tell people about some of your more interesting encounters or something that has happened to you that they find specifically interesting. Um, a lot of times you end up having sex because your partner wants to recreate it or they want to take a spin on it and say, oh, okay, that sounds good. But if, what if we, but what if we also add this what if we did this but we added a little toy or what if we did this but we did it in this position and you're mm. like well i'm not doing anything right now yeah that's uh it's definitely i think people's imagination goes but how do you step over that that proverbial line how do you cross that line that's i think that's going to be different for for everybody what is the push, the final push, right? Well, for some people, number four, the fourth reason is the final push is about women's empowerment, that women actually get increased confidence and independence and sexual satisfaction when they're in this kind of dynamic. Another thing that I've also seen is that women in this dynamic tend to be very clear about what they want and what they don't want. And they're very open to communication. You know, they're not necessarily going to come at you with, here's my list of turn-ons and turn-offs. But you say, well, what do you think about this? They'll say, oh, excellent question. Here's what I think about this. And also, I like this. And also, I like this. And also, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't like this. And you have that conversation. You're kind of prepared. It's almost like they're, they're giving you the 
they're you're studying for your for your homework later um <laughs> and then during during the act they're very they're they're totally fine they're not shy about answering questions you might have as you go along does this feel good yes but it would feel better if you also do this yeah or do you want to try that yes yes i do if this is going to do something for you i'm happy to so you have that communication and we all know that communication leads to better more satisfactory sex because everyone knows is is much more likely to get what they want yeah and sometimes though i i talk to friends and family and that kind of communication just kind of stops when it comes to the naughty or taboo topics like all of a sudden you just become tongue-tied and nervous and you're, you know, not liking what your husband's doing down below, but you don't say anything because you don't want to hurt his feelings. And to me now in my late forties, that's such a juvenile way to think and hear lots of women admit to it. Yeah, that was, that was a big issue in my late teens. You start having those experiences, but your partners are too shy to say anything mm -hmm. because they don't want to hurt your feelings. But at the same time, I know that what I'm not doing is not quite right. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel as good as anyone says. Like that's, I find that that's kind of like a common thing that a lot of people don't talk about, especially when they're young. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, the first time often feels weird. It's often mm -hmm. awkward. It's often really bizarre and you're coming away of it and you're going people enjoy this i don't i don't understand and it's really because that communication is not there because you're terminally mm -hmm. shy because you're so on edge you're doing this really taboo dirty thing and you're not supposed to talk about it but also you're supposed to know everything when you go into it and that's just not how any of this works no so, and it can be very overwhelming but sometimes it's also that there's a lack of ability Right. That you might want to talk to your husband about adding a dildo in the middle or as part of foreplay or as a part of the main sexual act. And you're afraid that he's going to be offended. You know, some men think size matters. Some women believe size really matters. But I'm talking about ability and motivation. People sometimes the fifth reason they get into this is to compensate for that ability or lack of ability. Um, ED, erectile dysfunction, sometimes that's right in the mess of a relationship not having that spark anymore. I thought I'd bring it up, point number five, but point number six, we can move on. It's pride. Pride from a man's standpoint that his wife is desired by other men. Desired by others is a real turn on for them that they have what others want. Mm, you know, that would, that would make sense. Yeah, but not experienced by everyone, right? Some people think that's crazy. Well, I'm, I'm not some people, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that makes sense to me. Uh, a lot of guys like to show off their their favorite things, their favorite people. <laughs> I that's yeah, I'm, and I know that sounds a little, it sounds demeaning, but it's true. Guys like to show off what they what they have. Yeah, and women do too. It goes both ways. We mentioned exhibition last time, and I think we're going to do another conversation about that as well. Um, but in sharing, in exhibiting this kinkier side to your uh, personality or within your relationship, there's got to be some rules and boundaries, right? Yeah, gotta, you got to have some rules. Mm -hmm. But how do you set them up? How do you communicate them either with your partner, your spouse, 
or with some stranger on the internet that you're considering having sex with. So in my experience, generally you have the couple discuss the rules and they just tell you, here's our, here's kind of our, our boundaries, our limits. These are our preferences. Um, and at some point I've, I just learned, um, I would say fairly quickly, I just learned, Hey, what are your, what are your rules and boundaries? What are your do's and don'ts? Mm, and people um, always stop me there and say, okay, wait, like, how did you even get to that? How did you know that that was a boundary in your relationship? So I wanted to discuss that even a little bit more. Yeah, of course. So like our intentions were to always preserve and protect our marriage. Our marriage was the primary relationship. And we wanted these rules, these set of rules to form a boundary or a, a sense of that this is mine, and this can be yours, or this is just for me. Um, so we came at each one kind of from a different angle. Some things were reserved just for the boyfriend or the husband. Um, have you ever heard of that? When you kind of hold back, has anybody ever done that and said you can do everything but? Yes. Oddly enough, it was kissing. Oh, yeah. That one was, that one was a little bit surprising for me, I guess, because it, it seems so polarizing because there's some people who are just you know, without kissing it, I, I can't get, I can't get worked up properly without mm -hmm. kissing. But in some cases it was, no, 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 we don't do, we don't do kissing on the lips. Like that's just between us. Did they explain the reason why, or did they just want you to know and there was no room for conversation about it? They just wanted me to know. And I didn't okay. want to ask why, because I understood that it can be pretty intimate and I just didn't want to question them. There was also the fact that I was in the middle of something while that was happening. And I did not want to kind of, there was an awkward time for a sidebar. <laughs> well, for us, that usually comes up in the conversations online through text or at the first coffee meet. And uh, it's not always the woman who thinks that way. I've actually met a man. He was the one that thought kissing was too intimate and he wanted to have that always reserved for just his wife. Yes, I have I have seen that. I have seen that as well, where that was definitely the man's role. Mm -hmm. And I can I could sense in that moment that he was probably protecting his heart as much as he was his primary relationship. And so you just got to respect it, right? No, absolutely. You got to respect the rules and boundaries. But and sometimes those rules are because um, if you don't do it with your hubby, you shouldn't do it with the other guy. Have you ever heard of that? Yes. I don't think I've experienced that because I just am not a big boundary pusher. I, I very much like to stay stay in the lines as I as I talked about in the last episode. But um, I've definitely heard of that. Well, it was my husband who actually brought it up and said, you know, what kind of things do you think you'll be doing with this guy in your first encounter? You know, how far will you go? And, you know, what do you really want to explore? And so I listed everything and he went, oh, so no anal. And I'm like, no, I don't do anal with you. Why would I do anal with someone else? And he said, well, maybe you don't feel comfortable doing it with me, but out in this fantasy of this stag vixen encounter that's outside of our home and outside of our marital boundaries, maybe you'd want to. And then kind of together we decided, no, anything I don't do with hubby, even like swallowing, 
I wouldn't do it with anybody else. See, that's kind of uh, interesting because sometimes in cuckold relationships in hot wifing, you do have that bulls are allowed to do certain things the husband does not. So I feel like that's uh, that that's a very interesting counterpoint here. It's here you're you're going the complete opposite tack mm -hmm. where it's like if it's no 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 some things are reserved just for him, and if it if I don't do it with him, I don't do it with anybody else. Yeah, well, sometimes it's, it's I don't know, like, a, um, I have the word preservation in my head. And other times it's a part of the role play. It's a part of the fun, right? And so it just depends where you're coming at it from. Uh, I know some of these boundaries, they also are to provide for privacy or secrecy. I know a lot of people who say that they don't shit where they eat. <laughs> Meaning, if, for example, if you're in a small town, you're probably not going to seek out someone there in that small town. And I would absolutely not hook up with a coworker. That would be mm -hmm. a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. I have had someone for who I work try to set me up with one of his employees. And that was an instant no-no for me because that, again, don't, yeah, don't, don't want to shit where I eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so he tried to set you up because were you looking for like some NSA sex? Like, let's go back to that NSA and what were you looking for? And did you call it NSA? Uh, well, at the time I was just looking to finish my project for him and get paid. <laughs> I was not... He must have known you were horny. You must have known you were looking how. I, 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 I don't know, but uh, that that was a completely that 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 story gets really really weird. Uh, <laughs> well, let's talk about the strings and how someone can say that they're going to have sex without the strings. What does that mean? So, in my experience, it has really just been this is just a fun casual encounter. Don't expect anything from it. And we're also not going to expect anything necessarily from you other than, you know, show up and be nice and respect our rules and boundaries and show us a fun time. And, and again, that's really, that's really all there's to it. Yeah. Well, some people talk to me and share that they think of sex as you would a recreational, almost sport, you know, something to burn off some calories uh, or like a hobby that they uh, burn off some calories. It's very interesting that you mentioned hobby because I remember this is a conversation that I've actually recently had with someone where I said to me, it's almost like a hobby. Some people join a pottery club and some people <laughs> join, a, uh, join a tennis club and some people do, you know, play Dungeons and Dragons and <laughs> I hang out with people who are kingsters and sometimes and naked. we have... <laughs> yeah, sometimes naked, a lot of time clothed. And uh, it's interesting to me because you get to meet people that you would have you wouldn't have otherwise met, but because you wouldn't have necessarily otherwise met them. If you try to set up a relationship, it can be very logistically different. That you have different timings, mm. you have different obligations. But if you caught each other's eye and you're going, you know, it would just be really fun just to just to play around, just to see, you know, just to tip, just to see how it feels. Mm -hmm. Let's go for it. Let's do it once and be able to say that we've done it and we had a good time. And if it happens twice at some point, then great. If it never happens again, well, we have that one time that we had fun and we can reminisce if we ever reconnect. Because so most that, things you want are because they're good, right? Yeah. And yeah. a lot of times you, and a lot of times you just want to try new things. I think that, 
you know, in that particular, in this particular lifestyle, there's a lot of people who just are interested in novelty. And it's not because, oh, I got tired and bored of the relationship I had. It's more just, I just want a lot of new experiences. I just want to try a lot of new things. And I don't have a big attachment to somebody just because we get naked together. It's not, it's not that big a deal. It would just be if we if we want a relationship, we'd need a lot more. So we don't need to, sometimes maybe we just need don't need to add that all of that other stuff. We can just focus all that on, other on the stuff. fun part. Yeah, yeah. And I've heard the other stuff tends to be attached to the word drama. I yeah. uh, I've read a lot of posts online about guys who don't want the guilt trips, the upset feelings, uh, the no getting feels or falling for each other and developing those feelings. Uh, and definitely no love, um, but no expectations. I That one never sat right with me. Alex, don't you think there has to be some kind of responsibility to the human you're getting involved in? Like some level of respect? I think respect and expectation would be somewhat different. I would say that mm -hmm. expectation implies that there's some sort of a follow-up or a continued relationship or some sort of continual involvement. I think that's that we, that that moving on part is is the key. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and sometimes it's it's hard. I mean, can we actually talk a little bit about whether or not you should tell family and friends? Like, if you're in this kind of kind of dynamic in this lifestyle, how do you in like include it in like a hobby into your daily schedule into your week plans when you've got maybe friends and family who need you or want you and you got to carve time for this <laughs> new sexual hobby. My role, I have never really told family or friends. I mm -hmm. had friends find out in roundabout ways uh, or just by noticing that I was busy at certain convenient times and or they've seen that I have certain that I got certain texts because you know, privacy screens didn't really exist for phones at the time and texting was a little dumb, but I've never really come out and told anyone. Um, and I just, it's kind of one of those things where it's, a, it's, it's private and is so, no, especially with family, your family's known mm -hmm. your whole life. You might still be a little kid in their eyes. They still remember you, you know, running around in diapers. Mm -hmm. um, they don't need to think of you as a sexual being necessarily. So that's, that's a boundary I'm not a big fan of crossing personally. Yep. And I think in every family, um, it's different what you talk about uh, with your children and your spouse and what you include your own parents in, um, choices you make, whether it be buying a new car or getting a sexual partner. Everybody has their comfort levels and uh, some talk about things that others see as taboo. Um, I find a lot of the reading I did said that they had more intimate conversations about it if they were moving towards polyamory in its truest sense, that it was an outward known relationship, a full relationship. Sometimes you have friends who you're very close to for whatever reason, and they bring up a conversation and they say, mm -hmm. hey, we've been thinking about this, or we've been talking about this, or have you ever heard of, you know, polyamory or mm -hmm. stag fixing or hot wifing or swinging? And then you can have that conversation and you can kind of begin with questions and feel them out and see 
why they bring it up you know hey maybe they they're they're thinking about asking you you know we mm -hmm. talked about this you know asking friends to participate so um yeah and and i think that with with those friends they can be your they can be your trusted ones they can be your confidants you can you, you can talk to them about it but uh usually i i wouldn't I wouldn't go around advertising it for the simple reason that it's it's private, it's personal. I don't want to tell everybody my business and just like mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to tell everybody my business about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we, we struggle with whether or not to tell our children, um, you know, and for one, we believe they're not even, if they're underage, if they're under 18, then yeah, it's just, it's it's not something that's needed. Um, but people ask, like, do you, does it actually reflect poorly? If you saw someone in this kind of dynamic, would you think that they're a, a bad influence on their children? Well, I mean, if you were a prude, then yes, absolutely. If you were more of a, you know, live and live and let live kind of person, you probably wouldn't care. I, I probably wouldn't care personally. I, I don't think that that's uh, unless it somehow affects children negatively as in like they mm -hmm. don't get enough time with their parents, then mm. I, but that's between the parents and the, and the kids. And you, there's plenty of traditional relationships where kids are neglected or just straight up mm. abused. There's no, no swinging is taking place. Nothing taboo is happening and yet kids are still miserable. So I, I think that mm -hmm. there's no really, there's no relationship there. There's no correlation that I can think of. No, and I think it, it, you'd get a different answer if you spoke to someone who lived somewhere like Texas versus someone who lived in London, England, swinging London, England versus, you know, central Canada in the dead flat prairies. I don't know. I have been to some places where people who seem very, very uptight and prim and proper in public do a lot of really interesting things behind closed doors that they will never tell anyone about. That's your analogy on the streets and in the sheets, eh? Exactly, exactly. And I think the problem comes when those people decide that my personality has to be very self-righteous and very puritanical. And what I do behind closed doors is none of my business. So even if that makes me a complete hypocrite who's infringing on others' lives, that's not a big deal because I'm still getting what I want. There's a couple of organizations like that that have been in the news for those exact reasons. Hint, hint, wink, wink, mm. nod, mm. nod. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I know. And for us, um, making dates and plans around the house with kids and friends around you and whatnot, we, we tend to find that in this dynamic, we go to using code words. We speak in code. So if you ever hear me say that I'm going out for coffee with so-and-so, he knows where I really am. Or if I say I'm going to get groceries and it's on a Wednesday evening, you know, that's kind of out of character or out of routine, then he knows where I'm going. But everybody else just thinks I'm having coffee and getting groceries. Well, my, my pets don't necessarily care. <laughs> I haven't had that conversation with them, but they haven't asked me. They're more just, yeah. when will you be back with treats? <laughs> yeah, well, I come at it from a, a different standpoint. I also come at it that I really need to stay discreet. You know, even with my um, position in the community or my career, you know, I uh, I need to find different ways to keep this hidden. I mean, 
same. Mm-hmm. So we come up with code names, nicknames, pen names. Uh, I find myself using discrete apps like Telegram and uh, other chat apps that allow you to have things like disappearing or secret chats and that you can have full control of your content rather than just using regular texting, you know, through your telephone provider. I mean, there's also just the fact that sometimes your chat functions can be completely unencrypted and a hacker could get a lot of embarrassing stuff and potentially, you know, blackmail you for it. That's not unheard of. That has happened Mm -hmm. numerous times to numerous people. So, you know, that's also good security practice, even in you know, uh, even in the in a very typical heteronormative monogamous relationship that no one's going to ostracize you for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I find I'm always looking for ways to make sure I'm always being discreet. And I don't know if other people have heard of using a secure folder. That's another thing I started doing where I keep all my pics, my videos, my communication apps and stuff all locked behind pin and fingerprint so that can't be found or seen by anyone that shouldn't. Yeah. And obviously that's just a good security practice no matter what. If you if you have any sort of content that you don't want people to see anything that's anything that in that is private that you, that you should be doing that no matter what. Let's look back to feelings and catching feelings, right? Oh, we got to talk about our feelings, huh? Uh-huh. I'm taking you there. What happens when you get too close to a playmate? Ooh, okay. Well, um, I have turned a playmate into a spouse, so <laughs> that well, does well. happen. <laughs> that does happen. Um, you you have were to single deal with at it. the time, though, right? We got to put this into context. Yes, yes, I was, I was single at the time. Because those words uh, could have caused my spouse a heart attack just now, <clears throat> right? Like that's oh. the last thing a married man wants to hear, a stag wants to hear. Fair, fair, fair. I was I was single at the time, mm-hmm. and there was nothing there was nothing happening at the time with anybody else. There were no committed relationships, nothing of that nature, um, and she was single as well. So I just want to emphasize that. Um, mm. And yeah, just sometimes you're really you're really compatible with someone, and you want to take it further, and you just have to uh, you just have to evaluate it on a case by case basis. You know, obviously if uh, I would have gotten really close to someone who was married. I would not have been so eager to convert them. I probably would have distanced myself and said, you know what, I think this is getting maybe a little bit too much and a little bit too intense. And maybe let's let's do something else for now. Let's take a break. Let's Let's cool off a little bit. If mm-hmm. there's a lot of just really good chemistry and you start seeing each other on a regular basis, it's not just an NSA thing and you're if you're kind of closer to friends with benefits and we can expand on that a little bit a little bit more. But if you're meeting with somebody regularly, you, there is that potential. So you just have to be really honest with yourself and know when to back off and know when to pursue it. And it's really again on a case by case basis. But all, you're, you're saying that there's boundaries. We, we keep using that word over and over again, those boundaries that respect and protect the primary relationship, as well as keep everybody focused on sex and pleasure, right? So uh, let's talk about language, the use of language that'll help keep the boundaries in, in place. Um, I know I like to use the word meet up instead of date. 
And I like using the word love, uh, like instead of love for everything. So instead of saying, oh, I love your cock, I'll say, I like your big cock. But I keep the language at just one level lower. Uh, playmate instead of lover. Uh, playing instead of fucking even. How about you? What do you think? I like that approach. I've definitely uh, have seen it used. I've definitely had uh, had people, instead of saying, oh, I love this, they would say, oh, that's great or that's a favorite. I've also been very careful about language. I very, very seldom use the word love. Mm-hmm. I'm very cognizant about what I say and how I say it and how it can come across. I like to check in and make sure that I'm not crossing any boundaries. Just just literally, was that too much? Like if I feel like I may have overstepped, I just say, oh, you know what? I Was that a little bit too much? Do I, do I need to dial it back a little bit? Because slip ups will happen and hopefully you have a forgiving playmate. That's another word that I, that I really like to use too. Mm-hmm. You have a forgiving playmate that says, oh yeah, 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 that's, that, that's fine. Just don't do it again. Um, I've, I've definitely been in situations where I've, I've said some jokes or, or done some things where the reaction was negative and I apologized and life went on is just a matter of don't do it again. The thing is though, you do get close to people and that closeness. Well, closer than your face and her pussy. Like sex is intimate, Alex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's exactly what I mean. You get really close to people. So you have to just be on your, t- yeah, emotionally mm-hmm. uh, and you, and, but also, but also not just emotionally, that that physical closeness and that emotional closeness can also breed a kind of familiarity where you start pushing the boundaries without even knowing it because you feel mm-hmm. close to that person, you feel like there's fewer boundaries between you. So you have to be mm-hmm. in these relationships, you have to be very cognizant. You're not breaking down boundaries to know that person better, like in a traditional relationship. Mm-hmm. You are respecting those boundaries. Those boundaries are basically there to keep you from going too far. Mm -hmm. And as much as you're there to explore with the person, I mean, you want to expand your horizons through this dynamic and you want to be introduced maybe to to new things that you and your spouse had never heard of or or tried before. Um, But is it good to have someone revisit something that they initially told you that they hate or that they were afraid to try? I think that would be on a case by case basis. I think mm-hmm. just everyone needs to be, everyone needs to communicate very uh, transparently about mm-hmm. uh, about those situations. Uh, it's if you, I think that that also tells you that maybe you're you're getting feelings, you're going closer, you feel more and more comfortable, you start missing that person a lot. Um, those are those are kind of warning signs to check yourself. You know, am I catching feelings? Mm-hmm. I think just some people um, are are like this. And I remember that I was on a date once and I was really kind of uh, freaked out when I figured out that it was like an actual date. It wasn't just like a meetup. And I, I'm like, why am I so freaked out about this? I was literally, I had my face between someone's thighs last week and that was no problem. But this date is making me really anxious. Like mm, this, I, I don't know what to do about this. And I think that that's that's another thing to important thing to notice there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how about we we focus a little on some positivity, the the positive side of stag vixen. Uh, there's a lot of um, you know some negatives or some cons that people will always talk about. But what about if we share a couple success stories? 
Absolutely. Do you want to go first? Sure, sure. I mean, I've mentioned that uh, I broached the subject with a best friend, but I didn't share kind of how. So in that conversation, we were talking about how he was sharing that he was in quite the dead bedroom and he wanted something to spice it up, but that everything he had tried wasn't working. And so I uh, I asked him if he had ever read the book, Ethical Slut, and uh, he was on board to read it. And it opened up his mind to have some deeper conversations with his wife. And she granted him a don't ask, don't tell. She was comfortable enough to say, hey, I can't give you what you need. If you can find a partner, by all means, but I don't want to know anything. I don't want to know who it is, where it is, and what you do. And so over a course of a few months, he too got frustrated in his search and came back to our conversation. He weighed the pros and cons with us, whether or not, you know, we should push our friendship to this brand new level. Um, and, uh, I had a chat friend who heard me talking about this one day to him, weighing it out loud with him online one day. And he thought it was absolutely crazy to risk such a strong friendship that he said it was like lighting a match near a hay bale. So we gave Is he sure it wasn't barley? <laughs> no, it they wasn't barley. kind of similar. <laughs> It was, his saying was, hey, Val. And so, but I stuck on that word match that, you know, that's the, uh, the thing that could make it all blow up. And, uh, so we just started calling him matches. We gave him the nickname matches. And so I thought I would maybe share a little bit more about matches. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it so now, much. <laughs> there was he's handsome, but there was never an obvious attraction over the years, right? Like we were just all best friends. You, you, you tend to, if the little thought crossed your mind, you suppressed it. It's just natural to do with friends. Um, but then during the pandemic, that's when we noticed he was in our circle and he had this don't ask, don't tell arrangement, but no partner. And I asked, and my husband said, sure, you broach the subject, you see, kind of kept himself at arm's length. Uh, to me, it seemed like he'd be the one to be easily accessible. He was willing and interested at that point. We fully trusted him. He was already invested in our friendship and our marriage. And so we did it. We took the plunge. We ended up playing for three years, Alex. That's, that's quite a bit. That's, yeah, that's very respectable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and comfortable. We played on many occasions. Um, my husband shared me on camping trips, after movie nights, sneaky nooners, and all of that fun would result in sexy pictures and videos that we would text to hubby in fun and flirty ways. It was so much fun. We fucked in a cemetery and on the tailgate of a truck one day at the edge of a field. It was all those fantasies I had in my head that hubby, didn't have a lot of interest in doing, uh, like in the campground public shower. I was eyeing hold on, it hold one on, weekend. Hold on, I'm still, I'm still Wait. cemetery still. Okay. Ah! <laughs> Where is it always quiet and not a lot of people go? Okay, that's that. That is that <laughs> what is, is often fair. hidden off of back roads. <laughs> you know, I do remember uh, my wife and I went to uh, the bodies exhibit. And yes. they had a section, they had a section about sex and there was a couple in the middle of intercourse in reverse cowgirl. And I said, okay, 
I know what we're doing after we die. This is it. This is it. We're both getting <laughs> plastinated in this position. I do not want to hear any other plan. This is this what was is her official response? plan. She did not look at me like one would look one would look at a sane person. But then again, she's kind of used to it. So she did. So she did say, OK, that's an interesting idea. Um, now let's I, move on. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, that that's what took us in a cemetery. And sometimes it was out of sheer desperation, right? Like out of sight, out of um, uh, public eye, you know, you got to look for those opportunities and places. And I mean, yeah, we did it in our camper. Eventually we included hubby and we had a threesome in our camper and even more when our home was empty, which is rare, but we had a few um, just growing closer and closer, you know, um, but don't get me wrong, it definitely had its ups and downs. And there was one point in time when hubby actually asked if he thought we were getting too close, if we thought we were getting too close and could we talk about it? So uh, after some introspection, some reflection, we decided to get new playmates and move on sexually. And yes, the sexual tension and knowing glances are a lot of fun. Even to this day, we're close as close can be, but we flirt. I would say that probably my most successful, uh, my most successful story is I met up with a married woman who was kind of feeling lonely. Her husband was working nights, so she was looking for some fun and recreation. And um, I said, sure, I have a flexible schedule. We can meet up. And she came over for a date. We did the Netflix and chill part and we did not chill <laughs> that first time. Uh, I she just, I mean, she, she just came in and she had that twinkle in your eye where you knew, yeah, she's definitely going to go for it. She's going to go for a kiss. She's going to go for more. Um, and she absolutely did. And then we kind of just saw each other. She would come over periodically and we kind of just uh, hung out for a while. Nothing, nothing really happening. And then one of those days she said, well, you know, I do have a bit of a complaint. I said, mm, well, well, what's your complaint? I want to make sure that you feel comfortable. She said, well, you know, it's been a little while since you, you know, since I what? Well, you know, since you fucked me. And I'm like, oh, oh, well, we can fix that. And uh, the benefits there, part she was missing. Yes, exactly. And then we just kind of started hanging out at least once or twice a week. Sometimes hanging out, quote unquote. Yes. Well, we would <laughs> hang out first and we were definitely, we would watch movies, we would play games, we would so go like somewhere. true friends with benefits. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Then, uh, of course, we would uh, we would have sex and, uh, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, she would sometimes spend the night over. Um, hold on. Hold on. How does this fit in with the stag vixen dynamic, Alex? Ah, because her husband knew all about this. We ah. scheduled things around him. We would periodically text him pictures. Uh -huh. And once upon a time, he even took us all out for sushi as kind of a thank, to kind of thank me for taking such great care of his wife while he was not available. Very nice. Have you been sleeping with my wife? Yes. Well, yes, she's been very happy about it. You're doing a fantastic job. How, what would you would you like some sushi? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not going to say no. I love it. <laughs> I love sushi too. Yeah. <laughs> never traded sex for it though, but never say never. I didn't trade anything either. It was simply offered <laughs> oh, was as gift? like 
Yeah, it was more yes. of a pat on the back, uh, which which is nice. You know, it's definitely an ego boost. The only reason why we really kind of ended our relationship is that I, I met someone with who I wanted to be a little bit more serious. And I said, you know what, I, I can't really just juggle everything. I think uh, we may have to kind of drop the drop the benefits part. You yeah. still consider yourself a friend. Yeah, we're still friendly. We're, yeah, we're definitely still friendly. We definitely still talk. That's so nice. But there's sometimes some horror stories. Yeah. And I think that this is the part where we have to put a little bit of a trigger warning. So mm-hmm. in case someone has had a, a story that's not so nice, we're going to be discussing some of that right now. Mm-hmm. So if you have some very unpleasant memories you think this is going to trigger, maybe the rest of the episode not for you we and we'll respectfully have you back for another one the only story i really wanted to share today wasn't actually a horror story but it definitely didn't have a happy ending so i don't like the word horror but i'm gonna say it's kind of the darker side or a maybe sad sad side of um this type of dynamic uh when we first um started looking after matches i told my husband i was out to hunt for a unicorn So we're going to call this guy Unicorn. And the reason I said I was hunting for a unicorn is because I had this checklist that if I was going to find anybody to move on with after matches, he'd have to be a 10, a 10 in the truest sense, 10 checkboxes. I wanted that list all checked off. Okay. 10 checkboxes, 10 feet tall, 10 inches, (laughs) shoe size 10. It's my list. It's my list, my checkboxes. It's all good. Every woman is going to have a different list with just checkboxes. But we decided to look for a bull. And everybody that identified as a bull on any of those apps or websites just turned me off. The over-domination, the heaviness into the role play just turned me off. So I stopped my hunt for a bull and we decided that I would look for a friends with benefits, kind of what you um, described just now with your story. I wanted that, someone that I could hang and have a slice of pizza with and, and you know, our hands would roam and next thing you'd be fucking. So I went looking and I happened to land um, a guy on field and all our conversations were great and he said all the right things and in the end, he was a 12 out of 10 because there were two more things that I didn't know as we discussed. I was like, hey, I like that. I want that. So <laughs> I 12 see you leaning tall. in. <laughs> so so 12 feet tall and yeah. 12 inches. Okay, I got it. I got it. No, the, the one that surprised me was he said he spoke another language. And as soon as he said that, and as soon as he started speaking the other language, this different part of my brain just got ignited and I got aroused and didn't know that that would become a checkbox on my list. And the last one, well, we'll just, we'll just keep that one to myself for right now. Maybe I'll open up about the last thing. But um, in all our talking about wishes and desires, he used the words, you're exactly what I'm looking for. And Alex, you know what? I don't trust those words anymore. I don't out of from this experience. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. He was divorced and single. He was not wanting a relationship. He could host. Those were some of the checkboxes. But his profile said he was bi-curious. So I decided before we would go any 
go anywhere with this. I wanted to know a bit more about that to make sure that we had clear intentions. And he said it was, he was okay with not exploring his bi curiosity at that moment in time with me. And so it ended up that he did. He didn't want it off the table. I wanted him to be quite exclusive with me. That's what made me feel safe and comfortable. And he didn't want the bi curiosity to not be available if hubby and I were together. Both hubby and I are straight. And if we were together with Unicorn, he wanted the ability to look and maybe touch. And so we just hit this plateau. We had played, I don't know, maybe six or eight times. And all of a sudden, his true intentions started coming out. So we stopped and he explored on his own, didn't see him for months, actually almost a whole year. And then he realized, actually, he was truly straight. And so we, he looked me up and I gave him a second chance. I heard about his exploration and his growth and my exclusivity clause, if you want to call it that, was met with reassurance that he didn't see anyone often anymore. And I thought that I could be okay uh, if he saw someone else on the side, you know, every once in a while or something. But it turned into me finding out that he had another dedicated partner for group sex because I wasn't interested in offering group sex or having group sex with him. And Alex, this was all exposed as a result of a post I did on FetLife about a wonderful encounter we had and his other playmate liked my post. And when I went to check her out, her account was linked to him and his account as her play partner. And I recognized his username and I recognized the photos. And I saw the photos of when, because they're time stamped, when they were together. And I don't think she knew about me. So it disappointed and hurt me that in all of that, over the course of that whole entire year, my feelings weren't truly taken into consideration. And I kind of felt like I wasn't offered full consent in this dynamic. Does that make sense? That does. It's, I mean, it's not that he wanted to do something different. It's that he wasn't honest with you. He was essentially just saying, yeah, no, I really want, I really want this person. So I'm, I'm going to lie or I'm going to admit things. Um, and and not make my intentions, my true intentions clear. Yeah, and see, I thought he wasn't in the lifestyle uh, and that there was a difference between us of what we were, how we were approaching this. But in the end, I find out he is actually in the lifestyle. And um, some people just fuck around and others, they actually get, they get, they understand the higher level of respect and communication that is needed and often offered by most people in the lifestyle, but we ended up not seeing each other anymore because I put it to an end, it all to an end, and it was too bad because the sex, honestly, Alex, was out of this world. I'm talking the most fantastic chemistry with someone, marathon sex sessions, many creative and pleasurable moments, like a wine kiss, and spanking mm. to cool it with a glass of bourbon. Oh, I put it on my ass. <laughs> and do you know, he's the first guy I'd ever fucked while I was high. First mm. and only time, actually. Yeah, you know, just pushing my boundaries with someone that I thought I really trusted. So it's not really a horror story, but 
something I definitely learned from. It actually got me to slow down a bit when I'm on my fishing expeditions or my hunts for someone new, my interview questions, as I call them. I learned from it. I can understand. I can understand why this would be uh, a little somewhat upsetting. problematic. Yeah, somewhat mm-hmm. problematic and upsetting. Interestingly enough, my quote-unquote horror story is kind of revolves around the same idea of someone not being transparent. Ah. Uh, I met up with someone who wanted to essentially meet a stranger in a hotel. We didn't even know what we looked like. All we knew were our first names. That's it. Mm. That's all. And I thought, well, you know, I am young, dumb, and full of calm, and <laughs> I will, <laughs> I will ignore all the red flags, and I'm, I'll go for it. I thought at various points, okay, this is a scam. I'm gonna get, maybe I'm gonna get robbed, or something's, something's terrible is going to happen. But no, alas, I meet a woman who was basically a model. Like she, in terms of looks, um, I think that uh, the best way I can describe it is that an uh, in, incel would have an aneurysm from a rage looking at her Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, wow, I hit the jackpot. It was very awkward for me to kind of get into it because I was so rattled by the mm-hmm. experience. But once I actually got into it, the sex was great. Uh, she was very attractive. She was very passionate. She was very eager. She was very, uh, very into it. She definitely had all those endorphins going. And afterwards, she says, hey, we should do this again. And I'm thinking, wow, that's that's amazing. I, you know, this is this is this is great. This beautiful stranger wants to get to know me and wants to keep having sex with me. Who am I to say no? And then she said, well, when are you available? And we start figuring out what dates and she and I offer a day that works for me. And she says, oh, maybe. No, my husband is in town. Oh, stop. That was the first that was the first time that she mentioned a husband. I said, well, hold on a minute. That that doesn't seem quite right she said well i just take care of his money i said well i this doesn't really sound like an open relationship to me this just sounds like you're meeting with people behind their back she and her hot wife yeah and she but but the problem is instead of answering the question and explaining oh okay you know what this is what's actually going on she just completely shut down and she just started begging to see me again which partially was flattering but partially was a little disturbing because i don't know what she's doing and she's obviously not being honest or open with me mm-hmm. i don't want to get into this very risky situation just to get you know just just to get laid mm-hmm. so i uh, kind of suggested that she leave as quickly as possible because i didn't want to continue any conversation and to lose my number and oddly enough she tried to call me several times and she tried to shame me slash goad me into having sex with her again and then tried to praise me with flattery into having sex with her again so i'm not really sure what was going on but i just what was going on was you were really good well (laughs) i just wanted no part of it after that because it's again it's one thing if she is doing this and she's sending 
pictures to her husband there. She's sending texts to her husband. Her husband knows what's going on. Yeah, sure, 100%, by all means. Just that with my success story, the husband knew what was going on. He was getting updates. He was, you know, we. I've met him in this particular case. I have no idea what's going on and she won't tell me. So it's the exact opposite. You know, that communication is lacking. If that communication is lacking, I don't feel safe. No, I don't, dishonesty I don't does know. not yes. make someone feel safe. Half-truths don't either. And then there is a bonus twist ending to this story. Um, you remember um, You remember I said rash? Yes. yes. Oh, no. Yes. The next day, it turns out I had an unfortunate... The gift that keeps yes. on giving. But nope, nope. Thankfully, I went to the doctor in yeah. panic, and he said, my friend, you are allergic to latex. Oh, that! Oh, no! And I was both relieved and upset because I was kicking myself the whole way to the doctor going, this is what you deserve. You you absolute maniac. You didn't see any of the red flags. You were being way too cavalier. And then when the doctor says, that's a textbook latex allergy don't just don't use latex anymore so you uh, thought it was going to be karma for possibly I, fucking a man's wife and in the end you learned you had a allergy yes uh, i guess i'm allergic to latex and pussy <laughs> <laughs> i love it well no sorry i i don't love it but i'm glad you learned something from <laughs> From us, from a very sexy and fun situation, right? Yes, I have definitely learned my lesson going forward. I, <laughs> you know, Ellie, nowadays when I talk to someone, I make sure to get the relationship status right away. And I definitely have my own little interview process because and I want to know. And your own stash of condoms. <laughs> yes, absolutely. 100%. Oh, I love learning with you and I love sharing stories with you, Alex. I think I think we got to do another episode. I think we got to meet up again. What do you think? I yeah, I think I would absolutely I would absolutely love that. And I think that for some of the some of the questions that come up as we kind of brainstorm what the next thing we're going to talk about, there's mm -hmm. got to be people out there who know some interesting things or have some interesting passions or or have some interesting kinks and fetishes they would love to talk to us about. Oh, I um, love hearing those stories. Yeah, and I would love to talk to them too because, you know, again, we're 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 all just learning. Yeah. I love learning with you. So, till next time, Alex. Till next time. Bye.